This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Which component must be fitted to commercial airlines but cannot legally be used by passengers? The answer to that at the end of the show. My name's Tom Scott, and this is Lateral. Today's guests are from Answer in Progress, a YouTube channel all about answering interesting questions uh, like why pizza tastes good, uh, the history of the sour toe cocktail, how to teach an AI to make pasta. I did just realize that I have just taken all your food videos there. Sorry about that. Um, let's have some introductions because you all know each other for once. Uh, this is going to be a little more competitive than your usual videos, I think. Melissa Fernandez. Hello, I'm Melissa, a third of Answer in Progress, and um, I am... Scared. <laughs> Taha Khan, you were the one who uh, who messaged me saying, can we come on the show? Like, what, why do you want to be on here? Oh, I love every, give me a game show and I'll be on it. I love game shows. I love this show. I'm so excited. And how about Sabrina Cruz? Are you excited as well? Or are you just being dragged along behind Taha here? Hey, I'm... I'm excited, but also worried for my friendships because I am a very competitive person. <laughs> Melissa is rightfully scared. <laughs> well, there are no points here, no prizes at the end other than bragging rights, but I somehow have the feeling that's going to be quite important for all three of you. So good luck to you all. Uh, the questions here are a bit like that party game where you, you spin around with your head on top of a broom and get dizzy and try and walk somewhere in that you might what eventually reach the end. What happens in the UK? <laughs> or you, you don't know that party game. That's also what I was thinking. I don't know that party game. <laughs> what happens in Tom's look, house? Look, the scripts for this are just getting increasingly unhinged as time goes on, okay? And I, I am dealing with them as best I can. Are you telling me you have never, like, held up a broom, span around with your head down, and then tried to walk somewhere? That's, that's never a thing. That's never a you thing. You said that with so much confidence that it would be relatable. Okay. But I can okay. guarantee now. I'm, I'm going to finish my script because because I've got no <laughs> other option here, which is which is let's see who's going to stagger down the garden path of uncertainty and who's going to land in the nearest hedge. But you know what? We'll we'll just do question one. That's that's fine. <laughs> we have already derailed Tom's game show. <laughs> Your first question then. Stockholm resident Elfrida Carlson worked as a tax inspector. Her job was to locate people who were not paying their taxes for dog ownership. What did she do to track them down? I'll give you that one more time. Stockholm resident Elfrida Carlson worked as a tax inspector. Her job was to locate people who were not paying their taxes for dog ownership. What did she do to track them down? Bark really loudly. Dog treat. Boom. Nailed it. Nailed it in one. <laughs> <laughs> Next question. <laughs> Next question. We're good. <laughs> okay. Here, here's the thing, Sabrina. You actually did just nail it in one. <gasps> no. Yes! What? <laughs> so, why? What was the plan? Like, yes, it absolutely involved barking. Why? I wasn't supposed to be right. I don't know. <laughs> because she speaks dog. She speaks dog. She was just asking where they were. Um, oh, you, you've I, modified the question to Stockholm resident Elfrida Carlson stands 
and barks. Why? Um, okay. Surely because the dogs would re- reveal themselves. They would bark yeah. back. Mm. Okay. Yeah. They wanted okay. to participate the- in the conversation. So yeah. she visited addresses where unlicensed dogs might be present and barked outside the door. <laughs> and apparently that was enough. She was able to mimic about 20 different types of dog barks. So she practiced. Wow. That's impressive. <laughs> uh, she also said she was able to estimate the correct age and breed of any dog that replied. Who has a dog encyclopedia <laughs> in their brain? <laughs> yeah, that's incredible. What I'm hearing is... Dog impersonator got a job as a tax professional. <laughs> I, I will say that the uh, the reference for this, which which I do have in my notes, is a domain that ends in .ru. So I'm not completely ruling out that this is <laughs> this is some badly translated misinformation. But no, this is uh, this is tagged to to an actual reference here. Wow. That's amazing. Um, here's the thing: that was meant to be a five minute question. So good luck. <laughs> you here ruined. we go. <laughs> <laughs> Oops. <laughs> All right, so Sabrina, since you started us off so well there, we'll go to you for the first guest question. Each of our guests has brought a question along. Uh, as ever, I don't know the question. I definitely don't know the answer. So Sabrina, it's over to you. All right. The performance artists Marina Abramovic and Ule finished their romantic and work relationship in typically grandiose fashion by walking for 90 days in roughly east and west directions. How and where did they say goodbye? I'm going to say it one more time. Performance artists Marina Abramovic and Ule finished their romantic and work relationship in typically grandiose fashion by walking for 90 days in roughly east and west directions. How and where did they say goodbye? Wow. I mean, that is a grandiose way to end your relationship. That's a that's a 90-day breakup, which now I say it sounds like a reality show. <laughs> it's a sequel we- to Love is Blind. Yeah, we found divorcing couples and just stuck them together for 90 days on a trip. <laughs> Love is tired. <laughs> Love is tired. <laughs> Love is getting their 100, 100 steps. 100 steps? 10,000 steps. We, we have just workshopped a reality show format there. So, you know, let's just copyright that. Okay, the thing that I have questions about here is East and West. Yeah. Oh, did they both go... East and West together, or I feel like they they're both like it doesn't say does it say that they started in the same place because I think they would start at different places, go east and west, and jo- and like join up, not join up, meet up. I was thinking they were walking both together, but now now thinking about it, like why if they're breaking up, do they start in the same place and move apart? But then how do they meet? How do they after ninety days? How do they meet up? I can say that uh, Taha's going in the right direction because they did start this journey in different spots. Okay. okay. Oh. Yeah, because they have to meet up, right? Like, they can't... It is, yeah. I, I think that the performance art part of it is flawed because they should be moving away from each other symbolically. Right. <laughs> yeah. So maybe they, that's why they broke up is because they were bad at performance art. <laughs> were, they, were they walking back and forth somewhere? Did they have to go in one direction the whole time? Were they, like, walking... You know what I mean? Like, were they on stage? Were they meeting again on stage? Were they just walking back and forth on stage? That's a very <laughs> tedious journey. 90 days pacing. I don't know. Maybe they were practicing for a new project. I've seen, I've seen worse performance art than that. <laughs> <laughs> Is there any part of Earth where you can, like, walk 
for 90 days east and west without... Like, how far do you go in that length of time? Depends how many steps you plan to take, right? If you figure it's about, yeah, five, six miles a day, maybe. If mm. it, that's... But the thing is, like, anywhere, east and west, like, you could just... You just walk in a line and meet each other. It's east, like east and west are literally opposite directions, right? So like this could be anywhere. So it's got to be somewhere symbolic, then. Surely it's it's got to be a rendezvous. Is it going to be like where... the the like bridge of love in Amsterdam? Is that mm. a bridge of, bridge in Amsterdam with the lock? The lock one, yeah, mm. yeah. Is because I think it's worth remembering that they are performance artists. So you know, there was some dripping pizzazz. <laughs> what? Is there a country that's 90 days of walking long? Does anyone have that information in their brain? <laughs> How much is one day of walking long? That's yeah. about six or seven miles, I guess. Like, how long can you keep that up for 90 days? Like, yeah, you, you can do 20 miles in a day if you want to, but after a while you'll be tired. So let's say, I don't know, six or seven miles, it's maybe 500 miles. It's not like they didn't do the proclaimers, did they? They didn't walk 500 miles and then walk 500 more. <laughs> that, I would take back my comment about performance artists. <laughs> if that is what they did. That is epic. Well, for this journey, they, it was in a location that they needed to get like permission from the country to do this thing. So it wasn't some arbitrary distance. Was it Vatican City? Did they walk Vatican City? Surely you can walk Vatican City in a day. You can walk mm. Vatican City in about 10 minutes, I think. Oh. It was not Vatican City. <laughs> oh. You know that old uh, riddle about going north and then east and then south and then ending up back in the same place, or whatever order it is, and it turns out you're at the poles. Did they, like, uh. circumnavigate the Arctic or the Antarctic or something like that and then both go east and west and then meet back up at the same point having, like, walked round mm. a circumference? Interesting. I like the this. The journey was done on foot. I will say that the path was a little bit more obvious than just walk in a, the direction of a pole. All right. So mm. they were kind of set on a route. Is it like Lord of the Rings? Did they like do the walk to Mordor? I was thinking Great Wall of China, but that's not east-west. You're making a face. Uh, well, I will confidently say that it wasn't Mordor. <laughs> but well. what did you say, Tom? I was thinking Great Wall of China, but that's north-south, isn't it? I mean, the question did say roughly east and west directions. So was huh. it the Great Wall of China? It was. Hey! Interesting. <laughs> so Interesting. where did they meet? The centre of the wall? China. <laughs> Good answer. Like it. Do I get the point? I want you guys to guess, like, where did they meet and then how did they meet up? Because, like, the question did say how and where did they say goodbye? So we know the location. Now, now paint me a visual picture. <laughs> I don't Did they know anything scale other. the walls? What? <laughs> <laughs> they met up by physically being in the same place. So that answers your question. They, yeah. They, they were that couple that put on wingsuits and dove off the Great Wall of China through the, the big arch thing. I Perfect. can't remember the name. I love performance art. Nah, they just walked from opposite ends of the Great Wall of China and then they met in the middle to say goodbye. Oh. After they met up to say goodbye, did they then have to turn around and go away from each other? Or did they then be like, right, okay, now we're both going to go to yeah. the exit? I accidentally have booked ourselves on the same flight back. And that's just <laughs> yeah. that's just awkward. That's Okay, so this is interesting because Saha, you were pointing out how um it seemed like weirdly it seemed like a bad 
art choice to choose them starting from different locations and meeting in the middle if they were going to break up. But the thing is, uh, in 1988, the original plan was for them to start on opposite ends, meet in the middle, and then get married. But it took them so long to get permission from the Chinese government to do this project (laughs) that they broke up. (laughs) Oh, no. Oh. Oh, no. Yep. That is so sad. That's the reality TV show right now. <laughs> <laughs> Walk the Great Wall of China. I think that arguably makes the performance art better. That's that's yeah. just that's two people who now don't like each other that much just coming towards someone and meet. Oh god. That's that's two days now. I'm gonna have to meet them. And then the the, pro- the proclaimers were in the middle. It was amazing. <laughs> They were their pace car. The interesting thing is I think they ended up meeting again uh, during another performance art piece. I think that uh, Marina, she was sitting. It's like it's a very viral video. She's sitting at a table and then this dude walks up and then they just start crying and holding hands. And if you don't have any context, it's just like, what's going on? And I think it's because it's like one of the first times they've seen each other since they've had like a very intense relationship. Their art is really beautiful. I recommend checking it out. I retract my previous statement about them being bad at art. (laughs) (laughs) So these two performance artists uh, just start off on opposite ends of the Great Wall, originally expecting to marry, but it took so long to do that they ended up breaking up in the middle. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Back to me for this question. Good luck, everyone. Ringo Starr auctioned his copy of the Beatles' White Album for charity in 2015. Apart from it being in his possession, there was a clear way to prove that it was his personal copy of the album. How? One more time. Ringo Starr auctioned his copy of the Beatles' White Album for charity in 2015. Apart from it being in his possession, there was a clear way to prove that it was his personal copy of the album. How? Okay. I know nothing about the Beatles. <laughs> <laughs> Did he write his name on it? Did he label his items like my mum always recommended I do? <laughs> that I mean, he could have done that to end. Like, he could have bought a copy of the White Album from someone else, shoved a signature on it, gone, yeah, yeah, that's... I'm not, sorry, I nearly tried to do a Ringo Starr impression there, and I got as far as, yeah, yeah, and I'm just not going to try beyond that. Uh, and just said, yeah, absolutely my copy. Look, it's got my signature on it. There's There's mm. something else about that. Is there something about record pressings that like make it obvious which one's a ma- like an original one versus like a future pass? Like maybe there was like a specific error. Yeah, I imagine I would... it's on vinyl. Yes, it is. It is on vinyl. So if it's vinyl, mm-hmm. each pressing can potentially be using a different uh, material, which means like the pressings can be different colors. Um, if he had a test press, sometimes those have a different label. So it could have been like one of the only test presses, um, or so it what it was one of the sort of early samples, so okay. not for resale, but there were hundreds of those. This is particularly valuable because it was very clearly Ringo's. Hmm. He'd smashed it with a drumstick. It was broken. It was just impaled. That he's the drummer, right? <laughs> yes. Yeah, I was going to say, is he the drummer? Okay. Interesting. I forget that we have we have 
three people here who are just into the generation where the Beatles are starting to become yeah. less relevant. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> I feel like I'm going to get in trouble for this because I'm British. <laughs> so, you know. Melissa, what do you think? I'm trying to think, like, was there some, was there publicly known, like, quirks that he had that he would, like, put on? I mean, Ringo does have a lot of publicly known quirks, but... Uh, I just don't know them. Is he the only surviving Beatle? No, Paul McCartney's still alive, bro. I don't know the Beatles. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to get complaints about this one. I know, I'm sorry. Okay. Is Did he, like, get... No, no, because it can't be special, because it was... Oh, hmm. Hmm. Much to think about. What things can you do to a vinyl album... That makes it uniquely yours. You could play it. Was it pl- was certain songs played a lot so that like the grooves had like changed slightly? Because that happens. Not in this case, but yes, you you can wear out a vinyl. I think, but this is this is not what happened here. Hmm. I uh, it, I think it could have been still factory sealed here. I don't know if it was, but ah. that it, it could have been for this to to work. He took a selfie with it. He said, this is mine. I haven't played it before. It's fully sealed, but it's mine. And somehow the selfie is from 1974. Just when he, <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> I think the Beatles had broken up by 74. Never mind. He made an NFT out of it. <laughs> he made an NFT. Um, he had the receipt. He sold it with the receipt. From HMV. <laughs> HMV? Oh, sorry, you don't know the Beatles, but you know HMV? <laughs> I know the. I knew Paul McCartney was still alive. I just don't know anything else. Is he related to the the woman that makes the vegetarian sausages? That's what? Paul McCartney, who, who was once married to Linda McCartney, who made the vegetarian sausages. I really? Think, that's I think that's amazing. Right. The real I hope celebrity that's true. Cares wow. That's who I care about. Uh, no, R- Ringo Starr is uh, famous as the drummer in the Beatles. And uh, the British narrator for Thomas the Tank Engine. I didn't know that. <laughs> That's yeah, I didn't know that either. That I mean, wasn't a clue. Was, Just to be clear, that okay. was not oh, a clue. Oh, okay. Right. Okay. Well, I, was I was so excited. <laughs> yeah, I was going to be like, I know that there is this novelty vinyl player, like record player, which is a little t- like train with a with a. With a uh, like, and you just put it on the vinyl in it, and it spins around and it plays music. So I was thinking something to do with that, but no. Well, Beatles fans <laughs> are going to be shouting this one immediately because it turns out there is a feature on the cover of the White Album that makes this right. easy. Yeah, just to be clear, like the White Album, it, the, the cover is just white with the Beatles on it. It's it's just known as the White Album because that's the, okay. the most distinguishing feature. Did he like spill tea on it so it wasn't like quite white? It was like tea coloured. That could still be anyone's tea. (laughs) That's true. So just to get things clear, this, everything about the album was, at at least at the moment that he first received it, was indistinguishable from like other copies sold. mm, Indistinguishable is not the right word there. Yeah. Um, So distinguishable. I mean, obviously distinguishable. That's how they know it's. Ringo's yeah, like it could have been like something that happened after the fact. It had the it, same features as all the other copies of the White Album. When it was created, 
Yeah, well, here's the thing. You keep saying features, and in my head, when you say music, music and yeah, when you say music and oh, features, no, I, no, that's that's not okay. Great. Uh, okay, characteristics. <laughs> I thought that he just had a version of the album where yeah, it's just like, him playing the drums, nobody else. <laughs> <laughs> just isolated yeah. all the drum tracks. Like this is Ringo's white album. This is the one that matters. Yeah. Okay. So when it came off the presses, it's the same thing. It's put in the sleeve. Was the sleeve different? The same thing is done to all the copies of the White Album. All the vinyl ones. It was numbered. It was his number. Four or five, whatever Beatle he was. Uh, Now, it's interesting you pick him as number four or five there uh, for two reasons. One, he is usually last in the list. uh, And two, there are only four Beatles. Uh, (laughs) Number five, then. Number one. Number one, you've got it there. Yeah. He has album copy number one. Oh, and wow. all the copies of the White Album, it was uh, designed by pop artist Richard Hamilton, and it was his idea as a joke, they are all limited edition. Millions and millions of copies of this album were originally stamped and numbered. Uh, later on, they just kind of printed text, but they all have an increasing number of how many copies have been sold, and Ringo has number one. That's I love so that. cool. That's awesome. It's like a physical version of views. You know what yeah, I mean? It really is. Like this album has 10, 10 million views. And it's like, great. Yeah, you, you're not wrong. I, I, I don't know how they coordinated all the pressings to make sure. You, you did take something that I was like quite happy with, which was like the idea of numbers and like limited pressings and labeling your prints. And then you turned it into the worst thing. Yeah. <laughs> So yes, Ringo Starr nice. was able to prove that his copy of the White Album was his because he has stamped copy number one. Our next question comes from Taha. So whenever you're ready, let's hear it. Okay, so in 2012, the British art dealer, Jeff Salmon, weird name, no, I can't that's say that. Not, that's <laughs> not weird. I can't, I can't write someone's we name. We were all thinking it. Jeff Salmon yeah, yeah. is a character from a sitcom with a really dull life. Anyway. Oh, I yeah. thought it was just a fake name. He has a really interesting life. It's just a sitcom about a salmon. Oh, it's a salmon with a day job. In 2012, the British art dealer Jeff Salmon bought £250,000 of new first and second class postage stamps from the Royal Mail. He didn't use any of them. Why? I'll say that again. In 2012, the British art dealer Jeff Salmon bought £250,000 of new first and second class postage stamps from the Royal Mail. He didn't use any of them. Why? Just to be clear, uh, what do you mean by pounds? Ah. Pounds sterling. Pounds sterling. Ah. British ah. currency. Okay. 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 And what do you mean by used? I said he didn't use any of them. Yeah, but he didn't use them for post, but he's an artist. So did he use them in a work of art? Yeah. Did he put them on the wall? He's, the Br- he's a British art dealer. He didn't put them on the wall. <laughs> A quarter of a million pounds on stamps. So this, this, is, this is me from, from like knowing that the cost of stamps has gone up a lot. Is this like an investment? Because mm. the, the stamps used to be a lot cheaper than they are now. They seem to go up every year. Did he just realise he could sell these in a few years for twice as much as like a, a <laughs> stamp dealer all of a sudden? 
Yeah, you got it. You literally <laughs> actually got it in one. That's exactly no. what he did. Why do we keep doing exactly. this? <laughs> I know. It's terrible for your show, Tom. But... Yeah, I didn't think he, anyone would uh, seriously do that. I've had that as a as a stupid get rich quick scheme since I was like ten years old. Like, oh, the stamps have gone up in price, but they just have first and second on them. So, yeah. oh yeah, you know, I could just I could just buy these, and then in a few years, so, you're telling me someone actually did that? Yeah, I mean, wow. and it was the British art dealer Jeff Salmon. <laughs> he 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 stole your ten year old get rich quick scheme. He got um, but yeah, he, he bought them just before the, the price of postage was about to rise. Um, in 2012, the Royal Mail announced that the price of stamps was going to rise by an average of 35%. Um, and he basically bought them at a lower price uh, when, when they were still available. And then when the deadline had passed, he just sold them to businesses at a 10% discount. Everyone makes money. Um so, you know, if you have... That seems like a massive arbitrage opportunity. Why don't more people do that? <laughs> this, is what I, this is what 10-year-old me was thinking. Yeah. I mean, you know, if you... So, you know, Sabrina, if you want to spend your quarter of a million pounds on, on British stamps, then feel free. <laughs> That's something you can do. I'm curious, um, how does, like, postage work in the UK? Because, like, in Canada, there's a price... And then the postage just represents like 10 cents, 50 cents, and you put it on. What is this first, second class? We have those, but we also have some. In, in hindsight, realizing this was a question being asked by the one British person on the team to the people who aren't, I should have just <laughs> kept my mouth shut because that's the key bit of information you need to know to solve yeah. this question is that British stamps uh, for just the regular first and second class stamps just have first or second on them because it was judged too much hassle that if the price went up, you'd have to buy an extra penny stamp and, and put it on. So mm. it was like, these will, these will always be honoured. Um, huh. And I didn't realise that North America didn't do things that way. So yeah. that's on me. That's yeah. that's definitely on me. Can I ask what a first class stamp gets you? Tom, isn't it true that you can take a first class stamp and you get a first class flight? <laughs> it's true. The Queen said so. It's true. The Queen? The Queen. <laughs> Tr traditionally, it... Uh, when I was a kid, it was that a, a first-class stamp would be like priority service, so it would be your letter will arrive next morning, and second-class was we'll get it there in like maybe two days, maybe three days. Um, mm. Yeah. These days, the services oh. between like less people using the post and COVID and everything like that, it's kind of the services degrade a bit more, but it's still like the difference between priority and eh, this can get there whenever. I'm going to be honest with you. We might do that in North America. I don't find myself sending a lot of packages. I was going to say, I don't <laughs> remember the last time I sent physical mail to somebody else. For the most part, if I've ever had to mail anything, it's just like you pay online, you get a little thing that you could tape onto your package, and then you just drop it off. There's, I've never interacted with a stamp in years. If he's got any stamps left now from that deal, he has to trade them in because we just switched to, to stamps with a, a QR code on them now. So... Mm. They're still honouring them, but it, you have to send them in to trade off for the new fancy ones. Ooh. But yeah, in theory, if you find a stamp from like 1972 with first on it that's that's never actually been used, you can just put it on a letter and it would still be honoured or, or trade it in for one of the new ones. I'm certain that's the best use of that stamp. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think that the, the, the first and second class system is quite whimsical. I think it's great. <laughs> hmm? 
expand. Citizens? Okay, not the first, first and second class stamp system. There we go. Okay. There we go. Mr. Salmon. Mr. Salmon. The smartest fish in the sea. <laughs> Our next question was sent in by a listener. Thank you very much to Samuel. Adopted in 1912, Australia's coat of arms is supported by a kangaroo on the left and an emu on the right. Why were these specific local animals chosen to represent the emergent country? I'll say that one more time. Adopted in 1912, Australia's coat of arms is supported by a kangaroo on the left and an emu on the right. Why were these specific local animals chosen to represent the emergent country? I just need to remember what an emu looks like. Is, isn't it ostrich-esque? Okay, okay, yes, that's what I thought. It's a bird. Yeah, it's a, it's a big, tall bird with a, with a long neck. And it can beat you up, as evidenced by the emu war. Yes, <laughs> the emu war. So what I'm, what I'm thinking is that initially the coat of arms was two kangaroos, but then Australia lost the emu war, and so they had to honour the emu. How close am I? Thankfully, for once in this show, not close at all. <laughs> oh. Okay, so it has to be the hit film Kangaroo Jack. This is yeah. such a niche cut. Props up the Australian economy, and they had to honour it. It was a licensing deal. In, in 1912, yep. The, the novel of, of Kangaroo Jack. <laughs> okay, so what animals usually, like, why do we put animals on coats of arms? I think in Canada, we've got, like, narwhals, we've got beavers. I think some places got, like, unicorns. Is it representative of, like, culture? What does, to you, what does unicorn <laughs> represent culturally? Whimsy. <laughs> a land of high fantasy and hope. <laughs> All right. Weirdly, I think it's a Scottish coat of arms that has the unicorn on it, so. Ah. Well, in my head, I don't know where else you find emus and kangaroos. Yeah. So, obviously, you would put those on the coat of arms because the the British who came over to Australia were like, these are the new ones. These are the Pokemon we haven't seen before. <laughs> That's true, but that would also be true of the koala, the cassowary. There's a load of other animals they could have picked. Yeah. These are both gigantic. They're yeah. huge. Oh, like, they I would not want cute. to engage in a fight with these. Yeah, like unassuming, <laughs> cute, and then... Have you seen a cassowary? No. I don't know what it is. It, it's it's basically a very large murder bird. Uh, mm. it, it, imagine an ostrich or an emu, but like vicious. Okay. Uh, when you said imagine an ostrich or an emu, but like vicious. They're yeah. already In vicious. In my head, I was like, the emu is vicious. <laughs> so I just imagine like an emu with a knife. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's basically a cassowary. Like its talons can like okay. rip rip people to shreds. But why did they put them on there? That's the question. That is the question. That why is the question. specific to? Why? Was it unique? Is it like, is it distinct from the reasons why other countries would put animals on their coats of arms? Yeah, there was a, a definite choice. That hmm. they, were they introduced at the same time? Yeah, they were, they were both put on the coat of arms together in 1912. 1912. Mm -hmm. uh, that was around World War E periods, right? Mm -hmm. Were there emus and kangaroos fighting in the war? <laughs> not, not to my knowledge. 
They got enlisted after the Emu War. <laughs> <laughs> the Emu War, I've just, just been told, is 20 years later. So at this oh, point... This predates it. This predates it. Wow. Wow, they were betrayed. This, yeah. <laughs> this was like part of the diplomacy before the Emu War. Well, it was part of the... the it's a little bit early to use the term, but the marketing and branding of this new country is how you describe that now. If you were doing the coat of arms now, those are the words you'd use. I imagine in 1912, okay. they use different words for this. So the tourism, maybe. It's like, look at these really weird animals. Yeah. Look at these like weirdo animals. Come and see. Yeah. <laughs> see animal. <laughs> Come and see our animals. This is like their TikTok, right? <laughs> Yes, yeah, the 1912 equivalent of, of TikTok was a coat of arms. Uh, yeah. And they were like, here's five great things to do in Australia. So find you. a bird. Well, the, <laughs> the other bit of branding was the, the motto underneath, which at oh. that point was Advance Australia. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that sounds very militaristic. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, both of these animals seem like very fighting like combative animals was they were they just mm -hmm. trying to be like we can fight was that why yeah it is something about how the animals behave yeah it's not necessarily fighty because again like cassowary could could be either of them but it is definitely something about how the animals behave do they jump is it like the style in which they fight within like their own vibe i don't know if a cassowary can fly but like <laughs> emus work together i think that's how they won the emu war Maybe, maybe kangaroos. They formed a military. It we never like explained the emu war to anyone. <laughs> do, we, do we need to? It happened in the future. To be it, was, it was 1932. Australia went to war against That's emus true. and lost. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, Tahoe, you were really close with what you said a little bit okay. ago. It's, it's how the animals are behaving. Hmm. And if, you, if you see them out in the wild, you would, you would, yeah. you would spot this. Okay, I, I I've never seen. Are they fast? I think I think. Okay, so the only video I've seen of a kangaroo is when a guy gets in a boxing match with a kangaroo, which is very <laughs> funny. Because <laughs> the kangaroo will win. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, um, and then the emu. I've I, I think I've seen an emu run, and I think they're fast. Yeah, I know ostriches are fast. They're really fast in D and D. This that's some, that's something them. they can do. What can't they do? Fly. I mean, I actually don't know, but I'm just saying things. I mean, they can't do a taxes. Lot of koalas can't fly. <laughs> Integrals. What else can step up your game, emus. <laughs> what else can't they do? Can they advance? I think the. I think that the motto has to do, has to be something. They can't. They can't help but progress. They can't go backwards. Yes. That's it, Sabrina. Neither of them can move backwards. Oh, if you think about how kangaroos what? bounce and move, they, they can't do that backwards. And emus, likewise, they kind of stuck to going forwards. So that was apparently one of the reasons they picked those animals is that both of them are forced to advance. Ah. Interesting. And then it became their downfall 20 years later. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh. So yes, the Australian coat of arms has the kangaroo and emu on it because those are forced to advance and can't go backwards. Imagine having to do a three-point turn because you left I, something you in the kitchen. You don't need to do a three-point turn. You're out in the Australian bush. <laughs> you can you just can turn. You still, you still can't do a three-point turn. You got to go backwards in a three-point turn, don't you? Oh, yeah. 
Yeah, actually, that, uh, never mind. This that is why Taha is still getting his driving lessons. How are you going to put me on blast Roasted. like that? <laughs> our last question from our guests comes from Melissa. Whenever you're ready. All right. <clears throat> a British man performs a service on 10 different occasions for people who are very grateful. However, he is forbidden from doing it an 11th time. What is it? I'll say it again. A British man performs a service on 10 different occasions for people who are very grateful. However, he is forbidden from doing it an 11th time. What is it? A British man. Cutting off one (laughs) of his own fingers and donating them because he's only got 10 of them. 10, yeah. No. She is shaking her head. Not perfect. Not perfect. (laughs) Not that one. Okay. Forbidden for 11th time. So that's what's is was ten like the sh- the strict cutoff or was it like at some point they were like ah don't do it again like did they decide ten before he even started or was it just after he had done it a couple of times so there's nothing really special about the number ten but they felt that it that that it was like a low enough number was a good idea like that number was oh, a good yeah. idea okay huh. so they were just like we've had enough. Stop, mm-hmm. please. Doctor Who. <laughs> the oh. number of... <laughs> if, that's, that's if only they had. If only they had stopped at that. <laughs> hmm. Why? My brain is still, like, stuck on, like, organ donation or blood donation or something yeah, like that. I don't know me why too, because 10 is, the, like, physically, like, 10 is... But ten is not enough for something like that, because, mm-hmm. you know, you, you get people yeah. who donated blood hundreds and hundreds of times. Yeah, I get emails from the local blood donation society, and they're it's always just, we need your blood. So I don't think they're trying to cap that off. <laughs> Is it phrased that that bluntly? Yeah, their, their slogan in Canada, they have blood.ca, and their slogan is, it's in you to give. That's the only reason you have blood. That is crazy. <laughs> that is vampire propaganda. Um... It's a great slogan, okay, in my is... opinion. <laughs> I was also going to say a great name for a band, Vampire Propaganda, but I'm just, that's just Vampire <laughs> Weekend, and I've just got the... <laughs> it's the cover band. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, this is a very random guess. I don't think it's going to be right, but is it that the man in question was a king, and it was him um, granting... S- like making places cities because I know that's something that the the crown can do is they can walk into a town and be like this is a city now um just a very random thing that the crown can do but interesting were they just like stop making everywhere a city (laughs) Milton Keynes does not need to be a city no that is very not not it that's sorry. Oh, okay. Very not it. That would be a heck of a way for a monarch to go slightly unhinged, though, wouldn't it? They're not going to try and dabble in politics. They're not. Gonna, they're not. Not going to try and you know abuse their authority. City, but that's, yeah. a, that's a village of ten people. City now. Yeah, <laughs> that's your local pub, sir. City. Now. <laughs> I will say it's something only a man can do. So a man, a man. Can. Oh, I thought it was like a donation thing because they're like you're filling up the bank, sir. <laughs> We can't have this. I was trying to stay away from like too much innuendo here, but uh... lean in. <laughs> oh, wait, hang on. Wives. Did he have 10 wives? 
Was it was it like Henry VIII, but like more? Where he was like, he had his 10th wife and they were like, relax. Is is this actually like sperm donation? Did, was there like too, ma- too many children from one source? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep, it is becoming a sperm donor to an 11th family. You can't wow. do it more oh than 10 God. times. Wait, in what year? Now? How do you have that conversation? How do you say <laughs> enough is enough? So wait, does... <laughs> Was he like dropping them off at the bank or was he hitting up individual families being like, I have an offer for you? Can we, can we just take a moment to appreciate the phrase dropping them off at the bank? <laughs> oh, dear. It's like one of those, dri- one of those drive-through banks in, uh, yeah. in the US where there's just, just a pneumatic tube. and <laughs> I hate everything about this. <laughs> So um, this is only vaguely related, but um, there's a, a clinic uh, in London, uh, Dean Street, which is like your, your uh, sexual health clinic, and they have a pneumatic tube system set up there. So like they, you, you pee in a cup, you put it inside the little pneumatic cylinder in the wall of the bathroom, phoom, off it goes to, to get tested. And I was in there once, there's a sign that's saying, please ensure you put the sample inside the pneumatic tube <laughs> container. <laughs> And I just feel like there's a story. There's always a story behind a sign. I don't like that. So uh, yeah, in the this is specific to the UK. Um, Interesting. Very specific to the UK. We apologise for the rest of the world. (laughs) So many. They said the empire is ending. (laughs) A man can only donate to ten families, and after that, someone was just like, no. So it's any British man. It wasn't a specific one where they were like, no more of you. <laughs> well, it's interesting. The reasoning that they give is so that it would reduce the likelihood of people marrying their siblings. Ah. Oh. Less, uh, and it less circles back same. to the royal family. <laughs> uh, that's so, a great button. Yeah. I love that. Apparently, there is a, a Dutch musician who had fathered 175 children. That's a lot of children. <laughs> so in the UK, uh, donations from a sperm donor can only be used to create 10 families. After that, no more. The last part of the show, then, right at the beginning, I asked the audience this question, which was sent in by Manfred Paul. Thank you very much. Which component must be fitted to commercial airliners but cannot be used legally by passengers? Does anyone want to take a guess at that before I give the answer? The whole plane. The steering wheel. Okay, the entirety of the cockpit. <laughs> yeah, that's I, what I was this, thinking. This is a single component, and you will have seen it if you've been on a flight. It is accessible to passengers. Oh, you can't use it, though? The kitchen. It's, it's there just in case you feel like you need to break the law. The door to open it. Oh! Is it the door? It's not the door. Taha? Uh, Is it a small hammer? It's an ashtray. All oh. commercial airliners must still have an ashtray in the bathroom, despite the smoke detectors, despite the warnings, because if someone ignores all of that, they still need to stub out their cigarette somewhere safe. Interesting. So that is our show. Thank you to all the team from Answering Progress for for getting questions so very quickly this time. Um, Someone is going to give the plug for what you'll do. Uh, Pick one of you. Good luck. 
Taha, do it. Sabrina. I need to feed the cat. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Uh, yeah, we're Answer in Progress. We are three nerds who ask questions about the world and then document our journey on trying to figure out the answer. So if you've ever wondered why you walk past the building and it looks like it's abandoned, we have a video for that. If you ever wondered what the, an AI would think of the trolley problem, we have a video for that too. So anything and everything. That's Answer in Progress. <laughs> and if you want to know more about this show or you want to send in a question yourself, the website is lateralcast.com. You can find us at lateralcast on pretty much every social platform and you can find video highlights every week at youtube.com slash lateralcast. Thank you very much to Melissa. See ya. To Taha. Hello. And to Sabrina, who has gone to feed the cat. <laughs> the cat has been fed. <laughs> Thank you very much to all of you. We'll see you next time. <laughs>